We stay together. We survive. We survive. We survive. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Communicate. Stick together. Stick together. In the name of unit cohesion. 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 You are listening to the Cohesion Podcast. Actionable tips from internal comms leaders on how to improve your company's employee experience. This episode features an interview with Preston Lewis, founder and CEO of Intactic, a modern communications company focused on creating human-centric experiences for people at work. Over the last 20 years, Preston has partnered with respected companies to develop and implement communication and behavior change campaigns. He is a sought-after employee engagement, internal communications, and enterprise transformation expert, and can often be found speaking about the future of work. In this episode, Amanda sits down with Preston to discuss the modern employee experience, investing in technology and upskilling teams, and how to create a human-centric work experience. Before we dive into the interview, here's a brief word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Simpler the leading AI-powered employee experience platform. We are on a mission to transform the work experience for billions of people across the world. Organizations use our products to deliver personalized experiences that inspire and engage their employees. When work is good, life is better. Learn more at simpler.com. That's S-I-M-P-P-L-R.com. Without further ado, please enjoy this conversation between Preston Lewis, founder and CEO of Intactic, and your host, Amanda Berry, corporate brand and communications manager at Simpler. Preston, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's nice to see you outside of the conference circuit and just sort of here to chat in person. I really enjoy that. Yeah, I, I love the conferences because there's so many great people we have a chance to meet and so many great things to, to talk about, but it is nice to take a step back and, and just have a one-on-one. Do some one-on-one. Well, let's jump right in because I've, I've seen you present at conferences. There's just a lot here I want to ask you about, but let's start, let's sort of start in something very fundamental because it's going to lead up to a lot of questions I have. I want to talk about the modern employee experience and what that means to you. Well, Let's even back up and talk about what an employee experience is first. It's a kind of level set, <laughs> That's right? A good point. How's that sound? <laughs> so, you know, one of my favorite definitions of employee experience is, you know, let's look at the words. We start first with, with employee and of course experience. An experience, in my perspective, is a collection of touch points inside, outside of work. Communicators and in many ways are experienced designers. And of course, our focus, especially for those that focus primarily in internal communications or employee communications, is communicating at work. So we look at the employee experience. It's really important to take a holistic view, uh, even philosophically, of all those touch points that influence someone's experience at work. Yeah. How is that different from just employee experience? It's such a like, basic but important question because there's so many different answers. And if we are aligned that an experience is a collection of touch points in our you know, employee experience, obviously that, that experience at work. When we say modern, what that means is revisiting everything, really constantly setting an expectation for the team, for the leadership team, but also for people, HR, tech, all those functions that influence an experience that someone has at work. Part of why we frame a lot of our work as modern employee communications is it suggests that we constantly need to be questioning, are we 
taking advantage of the latest technology? Are we looking and thinking differently about how we approach our work as communicators? Our responsibility is to evolve our craft constantly as communicators. So by framing the work that we do as modern employee experience, design, activation, communications, it suggests that we're constantly really questioning, is there something we should or should be doing differently, knowing that technology is evolving, expectations are shifting for people at work, and expectations are shifting amongst leadership teams for the kind of work that we do. Yeah, well, let's talk about that tech, because it feels like tech is such an important component of the modern employee experience, right? Some people experience work only through technology, like like myself. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners, where you work through your computer, you socialize through Slack. So I want to talk about how tech can enable a modern employee experience. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. It's so interesting when we dive into the technology that influences our experience at work, we as human beings. When I say interesting, obviously, there's lots of points behind that. One of them is that what we find is that technology influences our work in in very unconscious ways. So you brought up Slack's a perfect example. We're learning more and more about how a technology, I like to frame as an interloop technology platform where work gets done, like a Slack or Microsoft Teams. It's influencing how we conduct our business in a lot of different ways, and many of them, again, unconscious. So for example, there's this unconscious expectation that if your green light is on or if your button says that you're available, that you really are available and you're going to be responsive within X amount of time. Whatever that time is, it's often unconscious. And what I love about that example is just your question. It's a very specific example of how technology is influencing our work. And we're only beginning to realize what, what level of influence that has on digital well-being, on relationships, on productivity and efficiency. And, and very importantly, people managers are needing to revisit philosophically what it means to be a manager, knowing that this technology provides access to people unlike we, we've ever had, say, even five years ago. So that's just one example of course, there's many when we look at the emergence of AI and other technologies and how that's obviously influencing how we conduct our business. Yeah. Oh, I want to get into that. Every time someone says AI, a little alarm bell goes off in my head. So we'll get to that. But thinking about like the tech and the modern employee experience, who in your opinion should own it? Because I, I think about this from an employee perspective. Like I have my perspective of what an employee experience is from being an internal comms. But then if you take just the average employee and what they want the experience to be, it's almost like this seamless, easy to use, not real clunky experience they want. And we're still sort of seeing it. And, you know, we have internal comms tech, we've got IT that owns stuff, we have HR that owns stuff. So who should really own the employee experience? Short answer is it it's a shared responsibility that should be owned, and we'll talk about what that word owned means, uh, by, by a cross-functional group or a group that has the, the remit, if you will, or the expectation of the organization, up, down, sideways, for taking a very holistic look at, again, what that experience is. You know, if we're de- designing as a collection of touch points, those touch points are owned by different functions. So you touched on some of the core, and we think of it as a three-legged stool. And of those legs, there's one typically owned by IT. There's another 
typically owned by people or the HR function. And then a third, we could frame it as communications, we frame it as, as change. But what we do know to be true is that if any of those legs are a little bit shorter than any of the others, that seat isn't flat. And, and that seat is where employees sit. We as employees are our customers, if you will for using that technology. And when we think about employee experience, that's kind of a nice visual we like to have, not only in terms of one leg being shorter, but if one doesn't exist, then we can't do the right work the right way. So what we've seen is you know, organizations that subscribe to a modern employee experience philosophy, it, it just makes sense. There is a role for different functions to have, and we're constantly kind of tuning into, we look at our listening strategies, for example, and you know, which of those legs as effective as it needs to be to kind of balance out that experience for people. Yeah. Do you have any opinions on what kind of technology we should be using to create this really good modern employee experience? When we think of work tech stack, so work tech is a way to frame all the technology that exists at work that enable us to get our work done as employees at work. And within work tech, there's multiple different categories, right? There's HR tech, there's comms tech, and then there are others that sit above that. So one simple way to begin to think about all of this technology and how we can wrap our hands around it, and it's connected to who owns what, uh, is there are some that are integrated across platform, like the typical Workdays and other HRIS platforms that people tend to realize, well, of course, this is an integrated technology across other systems in our tech stack. Then there are others that just fall into some of those categories. The comms tech stack, as we sometimes call it, that includes things like intranets or email platforms. Newsletters. In, in newsletters, right? That's a, what I love about the newsletter example is there's now an expectation that, well, of course, our newsletter, whether it's on the measurement back end or on the front end creation side, well, of course, that'll be embedded into our intranet platform. That's one of the distinctions when we look at modern intranet platforms. We tend to see more features and capabilities like intranets. But when we think about how technology is influencing our work, we start to wrap our head around it. It's important to understand the purpose of different types of technology. Is this built to be integrated into other or not? Who owns what? That measurement piece is important because what we're also seeing with more modern platforms is we can integrate data sets to give us that experience view of how many times are we reaching an individual or a group of people across multiple different channels. Of course, most digital, you know, the traditional passive, like signage to active, to engage in an email or engage in a like or a comment on an internet. We're starting to see modern communications technology have that ability to give us that view of how often we're reaching what people and is that a quality touch point or engagement. I, I want to say you sound like uh, you work for a company that I know very well, near and dear to my heart. It has all of these cool features in one platform. It's simpler, but anyway, I digress. I want to back out. Let's kind of take a couple steps back here and talk more about you and what you do. This will help our listeners understand why we're talking so much about technology right now. We're going to move into our segment, Story Time. Welcome to Story Time. Story Time. Story Time. Let me tell you a story. I know you from many internal comms events. I think mostly in New York is where we end up meeting a lot at different conferences. You're the founder and CEO of Intactic. What is Intactic? Intactic is a modern communications consultancy and design agency. 
So both design in terms of visual, creative agency type work, as well as experience design work. And of course, we use that word modern in there because there's typically an expectation, like we just discussed, that we're going to be thinking about communications in a new way. Right. Needs to be meeting our needs for today. Absolutely. So I know that you're creating human-centric experiences at work. How do you do that in Intactic? Gosh, we've been in business uh, as Intactic now for almost 10 years. And one of the things I'm most proud of is this methodology that we call this human-centric strategy methodology. And it's exactly what it sounds like. It's an approach to creating strategy and plans in a way that truly puts people first. And to be much more specific, six phases of methodology that we teach to leaders and communicators every day. And we start first with the audiences and specifically, what keeps people up at night? And when you're falling asleep, as I love to share this a specific example, we're falling asleep and you move into that worry space or stress space about work, work and family and relationships that one want to work. Is it that you're curious if you're getting paid enough? Are you concerned about not having opportunities to be developed? Are you concerned about your relationship with your direct manager or somebody on your team? We really need to surface as we build strategy as communicators. What are those concerns of specific audiences that we're looking to reach and general audiences? Because what we know about human beings is until we address those fundamental concerns, no one's going to listen to anything else that we're saying. Those unconscious concerns. When What we know as leadership teams is when we can address those things, people align, people engage, and people start listening. And that's why the, we call it the human-centric methodology, because what we know is that when we can address those concerns of human beings, then we move to phase two or step two of, of business objectives and people objectives, you know, those things that we need to communicate and discuss that are new and different that may be aligned with our business strategy and objectives, because we've already addressed those concerns, if you remember. And of course, then we move into tactics and a lot of the other design criteria and persona development, that's step two. But that's why we call it that. And it's something that we're really, really proud of. Yeah. Well, what inspired you to, to build this company that has that focus? Is there a moment where you go, oh my gosh, people need help with this? I love telling this story. And this actually goes way back to a, a firm that we had before in Tactic for quite a while. And it was about gosh, 25 years ago. And I started my career as a graphic recorder. So markers in hand and creating real-time information graphics of meetings and conversations. And it was quite young. And what we found is that there are some that have this, this extraordinary skill and ability to capture conversation in real-time and visuals. And then there are others that can also facilitate conversations. We often call those graphic facilitators. And so what happened is very early in my career, we found ourselves and I found myself in rooms where we're listening to often leadership teams and other groups of people talk about strategy and, and what's important to the business and what's important to our people. And then and we created these amazing graphics and murals and vision maps and values maps. And then come Monday morning, there was a big gap in terms of how we're enabling leaders and managers to effectively communicate what was discussed in that meeting or what that visual really meant and what people need to do differently. And we were in a room one day with uh, somebody from Hewlett Packard, way back in the day, in the late 90s. And uh, we had been working on this project for a few days. And he was able to go home that evening from an offsite and come back the next day. And he almost had tears in his eyes. He said, are you okay? What's going on? And he said, look, I've been doing this work for 20 years, leaving in the morning, coming home at night. And until I was able to bring this visual home that you all created for us to my family, I never was effectively able to communicate to my family. What is it I do every day? 
And so we were able to do that last night as a family. And I just wanted to, to thank you. And I started to truly realize there's power in visualization. And then that led to defining, along with a business partner of mine, Gordon Rudo, he really helped and, and led the conversation of how do we define a series of templates that can move through a strategic process that ultimately will enable organizations to visualize strategy. And then that led to, okay, well, then what do we do? And of course, we had to create a consultancy and agency to help companies deliver on those promises. So that's the long story of where I started and then ultimately how this methodology was shaped. That's such an interesting story about the gentleman you were talking about from HP. Why do you think he got so emotional? One of the things I like to say is you know, our job as communicators is to enable people, it just built on that story, to go home and communicate to those that they care about. What is it that they do when they spend most of their time away from our families? If we can do that effectively, then the organization and employee communications, the communications that happen at work is going to be a lot easier if everyone's bought it. They understand the why. And once we understand, it's important to communicate that to everyone that supports us in our careers. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about your podcast. You have a podcast called Tech Verified. Tell me about it. Oh, podcasts are fun, aren't they? It's so awesome to sit here and talk to people like yourself, like other experts who I can learn from. Our listeners can learn from and just really get the people at the top level who are doing really amazing stuff. It's an opportunity to capture interesting conversation and share. You know, it's a creation tactic, right? And we have, we have two podcasts now. One's called New State of Work, and it's a platform for friends and authors and other leaders to come in and kind of share their philosophy that we're all interested in and ultimately we know contributes to the evolution of this craft that we discussed earlier. And then the second one is called Tech Verified. This has been a lot of fun because, look, the, the work that we do in Antactic in some ways can be quite complex. We need to look and, and partner with organizations that have a clear need and are looking to make a clear impact and address that need. Uh, Tech Verified is simply uh, an opportunity and, again, a platform for us to invite in our, our friends and partners like, like Simpler and other vendor organizations and technology firms to come in. And, and it's not a demo thing. It's really share the philosophy behind the technology and give us a sense of where it's headed. Most of our work that we do, particularly with larger organizations, is help them choose technology and make those decisions. And those decisions are hard. And there's many elements to those decisions. And so we don't sell any technology, but we love partnering with technology vendors and other providers that are aligned philosophically in terms of where our work and our industry is headed. So Tech Verify is a, is a podcast where we invite the, those people in and, and help tell the stories. Great. You just started the new way of work. What's, what's the other one called? I've listened to a couple episodes of that, and it's really interesting. It's a new state of work. Yeah. And new then, uh, and then, yeah, there's many more coming out. That's what's also nice about podcasting. It's, you know, it's not that difficult to capture, but we want to make sure that we edit it and frame it in a way that obviously provides a lot of value really quickly. And then the other one is Tech Verified. Yeah. I guess in my mind, I call it the new ways we work because mm -hmm. there's so much of that in there related to that. So it's a new state of work. My apologies. How's it going? How are those going? They're going really well. I feel like in the work that we do, we have a lot of great conversations with people, but when we can record it and capture it and share it, it's just that much more interesting. The list is stacking with people I would love to invite in. And of course, we're sharing them with everyone approximately one every couple of weeks. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, good. Well, we'll keep tuning into those as well. I'm going to move us into our next segment, Getting Tactical. 
I'm trying to figure out tactics. And to be perfectly honest, I didn't have to worry about tactics too much. Here I am in charge and trying to say, why did you sleep through tactics? Tactics. I want to really focus in on this tech because this is really where the rubber meets the road, right? And using tech to create a modern employee experience. It's one thing to say, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners, whether you're HR, IT, or internal comms, you can say, we need better tech. I think we all know we need to keep evaluating and we'd love to be able to go, well, this tech is better than what we have. It'll meet our needs better, right? It's easy to say that, but then it's a totally different ball game to have the money to do that. Especially considering right now when a lot of companies are tightening their belts and spending less. I know one of the biggest issues I have faced, and I'm sure many of our listeners have as well, is taking that step to get better tech, right? Getting the money. So we have to build like a business case to help outline our needs. So I want to see, I want to talk to you about that because it's such a crucial step. I think we go from sometimes we just need that better tech and then it oftentimes falls flat or we can't get the money. So where do you start with building a good business case to get better tech? We start first with a business strategy. Everything we do as communicators, tech or not, needs to directly link to what type of impact are we looking to make to implement the strategy that we know is core to our business and bottom line. So we start there first. Then we start um, pulling back the layers, right? Well, if this is our core business strategy, what is it that we can do as communicators or those that are are responsible for facilitating this cross-functional employee experience, how can we influence the key metrics that we know we can influence to move that business strategy forward? Then, as I said, pull back the layers. Once we're clear about where we have the opportunity to influence those key measures, we start first looking at our team. So when I say our team, it's really looking at our function. So whether the function is people in HR with comms included, whether it's marketing, corporate comm, with communications and internal employee included, keep going. But we start looking at this function that we have to communicate and engage people at work. And then we look at, well, what are our systems and processes that enable our work? So when we think about technology, particularly AI, by the way, so kind of bring that back in because we're becoming so much smarter so quickly in terms of how we think about AI as a comms function. And one of the, when we think about AI and its influence on a comms function, like three simple categories. The first is creation. Second, insights. And then third is automation. So the first around creation is kind of, we tend to go first as we're learning about AI tools. So as I said, when you look at our function, you look at systems and processes and think about, well, how can technology, AI or not, help us create more effectively? So it could be using tools to spark ideas that are new and different that help us kind of strike that right balance of business critical and surprise and delight that we know we're all trying to do with content. Is there something we could do to create content, written word, faster, more efficient? How can we say more with less? There's lots of examples of how technology can influence creation. But you had asked, how do we do the work? How do we make sure that we're really thinking about building the right business case? First, we look at our team, the systems and processes. Next, we look at skills and capabilities. Do we have the right skills and capabilities on our team to implement our strategy that aligns with those business objectives to get the resources that we're asking for? And then last is the tactics. The thing about technology and 
how it influences uh, our work as communicators is that it truly is faster, better, cheaper now. We used to say faster, better, cheaper, pick two. These days, when you build the right business case for technology as a comms function, or really any resources as a comms function, we can do things that we can use technology that has more features and functionality than ever before. Like we just said, said, can we you know, eliminate costs on this technology because this other technology has that capability embedded? That's just one specific example. But before we think differently about budgets and resources, we do need to look first at systems and processes and skills and capabilities of the team. Because when we think about building a roadmap for technology, it's important to have real clear insight into not just the roadmap for technology, but how we're going to evolve our function. There's a lot in there. Everything you said, there's, I have so many questions around. I want to just kind of back up because I'm thinking about internal comms or myself standing there going, okay, who do I know I need to partner with on all of this stuff? Like IT will help provide the tech strategy or help with that. And HR might be able to provide some data. Like who are some of those key partnerships? You touched on some of the real important ones. What is important about building cross-functional partnerships as part of that, enrolling the right community of people inside an organization to do the work that we do, it's really important to remember that each of those functions has their own strategy. They each have their own individual strategies. You know, ideally, right, I know the world's not perfect, but there's the, you know, the overall strategic plan for a company or organization. There's also those plans that nest within that for each of the different functions. So what's most important is to really have clear insight into, okay, IT, you know, what are your priorities as a function? Are you looking to reduce cost on tech? Are you looking to streamline just overall workflow so that you're able to optimize the investments already being made? For HR, we're often seeing priorities like improve employee engagement. What does that really mean? What are those key measures? Or another HR priority might be increased enrollment in important benefits or programs. Great. We know as communications, we can directly influence those things by sharing the right messaging with the right people on the right channel. Now you can see it all nests together and all links together, but most importantly, we need to have clear insight into different business priorities for different functions and ask communications how we can do as you keep talking about cost, I think that's going to be one of the biggest maybe factors that's prohibiting people from just buying something that's really amazing or, or jumping in very quickly. I wonder if you would give some examples. I'm thinking about just my past and how I've had like a homegrown intranet that I had to hire someone who can do development and then I would send them the content and we think, well, we had to have a person who just focuses on that, whereas that person could be helping write communications and create newsletters. The cost sometimes of maintaining these and the, the cost, like you mentioned, tech can be so great that we don't realize that we're actually spending more by not doing something more modern and streamlined and easy. I wonder if you could just talk through a little bit of that, what you've seen out there. Yeah, I'm. there's a philosophical point here that's really important. I think it just addressed first. So I'm a fan, however this is framed, I'm a fan of the concept of agency on the inside. Let's just stay focused on the comms function for now. It requires people, both leadership at the company level and of that function, to really 
begin to think differently about resources and time and money. And we say agency on the inside, what, what that suggests is that we are tracking our time. And we are looking at by person, how much time is being spent and then what is the value of that time? And let's be really clear, you know, when I, we say value of that time, that's around learning and development. Are we upskilling our team at the pace that we need to? Are we giving opportunities for balance that, that are just required within that team, right? There's lots of important things. But it also says, well, here's how we're spending our time. Here's what our measurement philosophy is. Here's what our dashboard looks like. Here are those hard costs and here are those soft costs. We need to have a sense of all of that as we build the business case for investing in tech, because we do know that, just staying on the AI example, we do know that there are technologies out there that will make the team more efficient and will give us the opportunity to have an impact unlike we've ever had before. Having said all of that, we need to invest in upskilling and training of the team. We need to invest in technology that works. You know, so there is that broader kind of longer term philosophical point that I think functions and leaders need to align on that says, you know, we may be spending this this year and this that year, but eventually we look at our overall tech stack and then resources, it will be, let's say three years from now at a much different place than where it is today. And we have a roadmap that will enable us to get there, both in terms of spend, upskilling and developing the team skills and capabilities, and of course, evolving our, our technology in the stack that will enable much more efficient systems and processes and to reach hard to read audiences unlike we've ever had the ability to do before. So thinking about that, this the cost and the spend, what should leaders, if they're, you know, the leaders that are listening to this be thinking about in budget cuts when impacting internal comms and their ability to be good communicators to, and create a better employee experience? I think... Most importantly, leaders need to be giving more permission. I'll even take a step back to that permission point. And when we look at modern leadership, to use that word again, again, what does that even mean? And as I said earlier, it suggests that we're thinking differently and open to new ideas and new technology and test and pilot those ideas and technologies to ultimately see the impact of thinking differently, right? So if, just to answer your question, what should leaders be doing? Well, first, it's having a philosophical conversation around how we think about our work and evolving our function to make a bigger impact with potentially less resources, money, and people. But to do that, we need to be aligned around that intention. And then secondly, give the permission that the people within that function, say comms leadership, for example, needs to begin to test and pilot some of these new concepts, some of this new thinking, some of this new, these new structures, because what we are starting to see, you know, the data says we can do a more effective job with less resources, but it does require new ways of thinking. I'm going to move into our next segment, ripped from the headlines. You hear the news? X-Street, X-Street, read all about it. Our stories ripped from the headlines. Ripped from the headlines. Ripped from the headlines. We can't stop talking about AI. I heard you mention it a bunch. So I want to move into that because I'd love to have your expert opinion about using AI, especially in the comms function. Everyone's talking about it. We can't escape it. I've had numerous guests and I, I love all the variety of opinions. So let's start with how are you using AI and Intactic? And what are you seeing from your customers, your clients and how they're using it? 
Well, my answer to this question three weeks ago would have been different than it is today. So first, what's nice is that we're seeing more and more organizations acknowledge the reality of the influence of AI in our work. So I'm sure you may have heard this from other guests, but it's not entirely different than the conversations we were having when we were starting to see the value of social media. Yes, I, we actually just had a conversation about that very recently with someone on the podcast. Yeah, I, th- I thought I yeah. may have actually heard it because it's good. It's a really good example. And, and it's the right one because it's fairly recent, believe it or not. <laughs> it's so clearly a part of our lives and a part of our work today. And some of the fundamental conversations that we're having around the influence of AI at work are similar to the the ones we were having on social media. A, we need to acknowledge its reality. That's going to be just a part of what we're doing. B, we need to constantly learn to educate ourselves on what we even mean by AI, just like back in the day, what what is social media? And we also know that ultimately those that get it right and can move faster to have the right conversations right now are going to set themselves apart from their competition. I mean, it's as simple as that. And when we think about AI and its influence on our work, particularly with communicating inside of organizations, just like social media, we had to build an infrastructure, a foundational philosophy, like have a policy, know where to go if there are unanswered questions, share examples, specific examples, on how we're piloting and testing some of this technology in different parts of our business. For organizations that have made that blanket statement of, no, 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 we're just not gonna do it. You were already starting to see some of those organizations fall a little bit behind. And just as a specific example of what I mean by fall a little bit behind, there's one organization I'm thinking of that is in the insurance space which also happens to be a technology company. And if we're going to espouse a philosophy and a business strategy that says we are constantly going to deliver the best technology to our customers and our partners every single day, how does it feel to work for an organization that has taken a stance that says we're not going to innovate and acknowledge the reality of this technology in terms of how it can influence our work inside our organization? So it's the classic saying one thing, but doing something different, whether it's to the market or to the organization. And what we're seeing is it's time-sensitive conversation because the slower we are to move on the things that we know are ultimately going to impact our work and our lives, the more distrust builds and that gap between truly ensuring and and supporting and trusting our leadership teams is going to grow. And that's not something we want to see. Yeah. I know some conversations I've had very recently about AI is companies need to be implementing it, but you can't go on autopilot, just implement it and let it run itself, right? You have to be sort of watching and checking and that'll help ensure nothing disastrous happens if you use it, hopefully. Yes, as we just discussed a few minutes ago, we talked about who owns an employee experience and we talked about the the need for a cross-functional team that has clear governance and measurements and a clear remit, how AI influences our work as a general question for any organization 
it similarly does require you know a cross-functional team of representatives that are looking at it from a variety of different angles, applying a variety of different lenses. Because what we know to be true are there there are some functions and, and parts of an organization that can be doing specific things right now using some of this technology, and it's not it's not as much of a concern as it is for other functions. So you know, what's really scary are those blanket statements. No AI. When we know that that also suggests that we're missing opportunities, which is the worst thing in any business. Missed opportunities are just, are just the worst. <laughs> and this is just another one of those circumstances where we want to make sure that we're not missing these opportunities. Can you point to and give a couple good use cases where you've seen it work really well, mm-hmm. seen AI work really well? Well, let's just stay focused on our audience and communicators at work. So some of the, the best examples that we're seeing is in a very, very secure way, being very conscious of, we keep using this word scrubbing. What that means is it enables us or requires us to take existing content, wherever it's from, whether it's existing on an internet or results from a survey or something that a written piece of original content and ensuring that it's scrubbed, it's safe to be uploaded or cut and pasted, right? Let's keep it real simple. But what we're seeing is the ability to take existing content, move it through mostly just chat GPT, but there's a lot of other great technologies out there to give us back content that's in a better state than what we had, whether it's, like I said, shorter and more impactful, or it's written in a different type of tone that we know is aligned to where we need to be today, or taking content and surfacing specific insights that's going to save 12, 20, 50 hours of a team or someone's time. Time is money. So all of these examples of better result for less resources or time, hopefully is a clear indication of what organizations could and should be thinking about now in terms of using these technologies. But that's all in that creation category I mentioned of how AI can impact comms. A little bit in the insight category, as I was saying, of taking existing content and asking some of these AI tools to surface common trends or specific points of insight. This is stuff we could and should be doing now, at least understanding the process that it takes. So one of the things we're hearing about when we talk about AI or the conversation that's happening within the internal comm space is AI taking jobs, right? Taking those things we're used to doing, like creating a plan or writing a communication about a certain topic. And now that it, it has the ability to do that, the fear is that it's going to replace actual comms people. What is your reaction to that? To keep it really simple, I'm a huge proponent of continuous learning and upskilling. And short answer is I don't think it's going to replace jobs. It absolutely is going to change how we work as communicators. So if you're concerned about your job being lost, then the obvious important question is, well, what is it that we can do and learn to be able to do the work that we do in a more efficient way using this technology? That's the short answer. It's putting a little pressure, I think is a fair word, on some communicators to evolve faster, which I think is a very healthy thing, in my opinion. You were talking about it. I thought internal comms, a lot of folks had to go through a big transition when COVID hit, right? For a lot of people, that put a lot of the employees in their homes, and now we have to do things a little differently. And so this was just a really bigger example of that, like continuing to try new things. Because I felt like for a while we were doing things in a very similar sort of fashion. You know, you do town halls the same. 
And then COVID exploded that and kind of threw out all of, a lot of our playbooks. And now we're learning this whole new technology that I think is super helpful. And it's it's great to use it. I've been using it as well. Yeah, well, what's different? And that's why I like to share those categories I shared a few minutes ago is what's different is we have to be careful not to generalize. AI, losing jobs, you know, we do it all day, even no one's fault, the superhuman. What's important is to also realize that with the advances of this technology, it's a gift. We are constantly looking for ways to be more strategic. What better of an opportunity is there than now to ensure that we're doing the right strategic work? And part of that is making the right decisions on the technology that we use to enable that work. That's exactly what's going on right now. We should be thinking about our work differently. We should be spending more time on creative concepts and in some ways helping use these tools for that than thinking the same way we have for a long time because we'll be able to truly sustain the momentum, to your point, that was created in this post-COVID era. We are now tasked with doing more, tasked with being more strategic. We had to change quickly. We need to continue to change quickly. And if anything, the advances in AI technology is really going to enable and sustain that evolution. Yeah, absolutely. What concerns do you have about AI in the comm space? Mistakes will happen. Mistakes will happen. There is an opportunity, unlike ever before, for trust to be influenced. Just to give a specific example some organizations that are not enabling people to use AI technology, is, as Mr. Shellholt says very eloquently, you know, there's nothing to suggest that somebody isn't just using another computer for concept or ideation or a lot of these things. So trust is one of my big concerns. And what we know to be true about trust, if anything, we need to have the permission to have the right conversation, a very real conversation about the obvious, who's doing what, how, where are our priorities, what are givens, what are not so much givens. So one of the big pieces of advice I'm giving to all organizations is how are we embedding an expectation on our teams to have an active dialogue around what people are seeing and, and, and thinking or feeling about how AI tools and technology are influencing our work. Because like we know, if, if we're not talking about it, well, the conversation is still happening somewhere else and we need to give permission to teams to talk about it now. Let's move into our final segment, asking for a friend. Who's asking for a friend? Hey, asking for a friend. What is employee experience, or we can even say internal comms technology, going to look like in 10 years? I think we'll stop calling it in, internal and employee communications technology. <laughs> it's, it's one one big answer. The way that we communicate at work is you know, an essential business practice. And I think we're always going to call it communications. It's probably going to be a common word or a common way of framing our work, if you will. But what we're seeing are there's much more of a blend happening in, in communication functions between internal and external. And there's you know, the right kind of distinctions are being made around shared systems and platforms and strategy and messaging and you know, organizational narrative. You look at some companies like a Cisco who's training all employees to be LinkedIn ambassadors, right? Because like IBM did in the past 10 years, setting an expectation for every person in a business, aside from what function you're in, 
to be a salesperson or a brand evangelist. You know, those are some really good examples of how the lines are being blurred now more than ever. So 10 years from now, I think when we think about how we conduct our business, how we create strategy and messaging and define the kind of remit for the function, I think that's going to evolve quite a bit. Reminded me of something I said earlier that I always think about employee experience from the actual employee and those lines, it needs to be a single place, a single system, a single experience and not, well, I got to do this here and that there. And it's really thinking about what their experience is and not like, like you said, it won't be internal comms technology. It won't be HR. That'd be a more of a, from an actual employee centric experience. The magic happens when there's integrity between the customer experience and the employee experience. And the question is, what are we doing to create a platform for that magic to happen? I mean, it sounds a little woo-woo, but really, you know, that requires alignment and connection on many levels. But ultimately, that's where I hope we, we can all be. Well, Preston, this has been a lot of fun today. I always enjoy talking to you, whether it be on the podcast or in person at conferences. Thank you so much for joining me today. Before I let you go, let our listeners know where they can find you. I like to think I'm one of the easiest people in the world and Intactic is one of the easiest organizations to find. So Google Intactic, that's I-N-T-A-C-T-I-C or Preston Lewis. And I'm on LinkedIn or just reach out anytime. I'm, I'm quite available. Great. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been great. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to the Cohesion Podcast brought to you by Simpler the leading AI-powered employee experience platform. We are on a mission to transform the work experience for billions of people across the world. Organizations use our products to deliver personalized experiences that inspire and engage their employees. When work is good, life is better. Learn more at simpler.com. That's S-I-M-P-P-L-R.com. To all of our listeners out there, Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, make sure to hit subscribe, leave a review, and head over to www.simpler.com slash podcast for more information. Until next time, you're listening to the Cohesion Podcast, brought to you by Simpler. See you in the next episode.